This could be for you. Exclamation point. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another exhilarating edition of Steve Made a Game Show. I'm your host, Steve, and today our guest is Scott. Scott, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Steve. Of course. Welcome. Um, you have now entered a podcast, but not any kind of podcast. This is a podcast game show. Do you like game shows? And tell me why you like game shows if you do. Oh, I love game shows. Uh, you know, just a, a great opportunity to either test your knowledge or, you know, watch people fail terribly. Oh, dear. Well, um, that's setting us up nicely for you to test your knowledge because you are not going to fail terribly. We know that much. You are entering a three-round game show. Round one is going to be the category round. In the category round, I've curated a list of categories specific to you, Scott. So I think there are things that you'll identify with, and the audience will now identify you with these categories. There's three questions each. There are $50, $150, and $250. After that, we'll enter the persuasion round. I'm going to give you a prompt. I'm going to give you a topic, and I want you to be as persuasive as possible to your standpoint, to your viewpoint. I'm going to award you points based on how persuasive you are, just like an Olympic judge would for a figure skater or a synchronized swimmer, in this case, a podcast game show player. Round three is going to be the lightning round. I'm going to give you a topic, and 45 seconds will be on the clock. Rattle off your answers as fast as you can, and for as many correct answers as you get, you're going to get extra points on top of your score. So are you feeling excited? So excited. What I want to know, though, is what's the leaderboard? Ah. Who has the highest point total out of all your guests so far? That's a great question. We'll do a leaderboard update even at the end of the show, so you'll see how you land up on it. And a little bit of breaking news here that's no one no one's heard yet, but the goal is to have a tournament of champions. So Scott, even if you don't end up necessarily in first place after today, if you have a high enough score that qualifies you, you can enter the SMAGS Tournament of Champions coming soon to a podcast near you. Awesome. With that in mind, let's begin. So Scott, here are your three categories. We've got revisiting Becker's CPA mnemonics. <laughs> we've got Jerry Gergich. And we've got Fantasy Football Bad Luck. Sounds like some great uh, categories you selected for me today. Where do you want to begin and for how much money? Let's start with Becker, you know. Been uh, working through busy season. Already got accounting on the mind. Let's hope all of those long hours studying for the CPA exam will pay off for me today. And I'll do the lowest point total. Let's begin with $50. We're going to go to the far section in which Tim Garrity introduced the acronym POOFER to help us recall components of other comprehensive income booked to equity. Now that's P-U-F-E-R. Can you name three OCI components that the letters in POOFER stand for? Again, P-U-F-E-R. Hmm, that's a, that's a tough one there. P-U-F-E-R? Yes, I have to admit this might be the most challenging category on the show thus far. <laughs> However, at one point in our lives, we did know this. So we'll see if you can scrape anything back from those years. 
Uh, okay, I'm gonna say the E is for exchange gain losses. That's actually the F, but that does give you a, a one of your points. So foreign currency exchanges. Okay, let's see. I'm not sure what letter would stand for, but maybe discontinued operations, something along those lines. Fantastic guess. It is not one of the choices, though. Ooh, okay. So I got one more guess. Uh, I'm going to go R for retained earnings, other adjustments. <laughs> I like the, the creativity of it, but we are, we're not looking for retained earnings, other adjustments, unfortunately. So for Poofer, you've got pension adjustments, unrealized gains losses, uh, foreign currency adjustment, effective portion of cash flow hedge. I completely forgot about that and revaluation surplus. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to chalk up those 50 points, Scott. But again, it was it's the toughest category. That actually might even be tougher than the other ones. I'm not sure how they'll shake out, but don't feel discouraged for the rest of the category. All right. Would you like to go up to 150 in that one? Yeah, let's, let's keep it rolling. We roll into the audit section in which Tim Garrity introduced the acronym Mr. Dim Reports Crame to help us recall the components of an unmodified audit report. That very helpful acronym, Mr. Dim Reports Crame, begins with management's responsibilities on that audit report is MR. What are management's responsibilities, D-I-M, the Mr. Dim? So let's see, management's responsibilities would be to design procedures. D is design. What is the I and the M? I would be implement. Two-thirds your way there. And M would be to modify as necessary. Monitor is M, which we were looking for. Uh, that is so darn close, though. Out of the 150, because you got two out of the three, you're getting 100 points, Scott. Okay. You designed and implemented a fairly correct answer. <laughs> it is a modified report, but it's it's still giving you some money. Uh, ready to go to 250? Let's do it. Okay. We end up one more time in the FAR section. Tim Garrity introduced the acronym CAR in BIG to help us recall the journal entry posted for acquisition accounting. Of the eight letters in CAR in BIG, can you name four components of this journal entry? CAR in BIG. So each letter is an account. Okay. So it would be cash? No, we do not have the cash. No? I know what you mean. I feel like there probably is a cash component. But in what he provided to us, we are strictly going by Tim Garrity's two hands and the, the beautiful acronym that he crafted for us, a master of language that he is. Let's see. Well, you'd have to record an investment. Yes, so you've got one. You'd need to recognize goodwill. There's two. And then you would need to also recognize intangibles. You've got three. Far and big. I'm not sure what letter it would re relate to, but you'd have to record uh, the various assets acquired, such as the fixed assets, depending on the type of acquisition, recording those at carryover basis or fair market value. This is just solid accounting info. Unfortunately, it's not what Tim is going for in the car in big JE. Okay, let, 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 I'll give this one last shot then. Okay, you could do. You just need one more. You've got three out of four. Retained earnings. I don't know. Retained earnings. Number four. 
You get your points, Scott. Very nice. The uh, the other ones you were missing were common stock, uh, additional paid in capital, non-controlling interest, and balance sheet adjustment, which is decidedly vague. Uh, that would really just comprise every, you know, fix assets, everything along those lines. Right. You can feel good about your CPA license. You can feel good about being a professional accountant right now, Scott. Would you like to move on to Jerry Gergich or fantasy football bad luck? You know, I'm feeling good about fantasy football. Let's move on to that. Okay. Fantasy football bad luck for $50. Antonio Brown, your 2019 fourth round pick, was released by both the Raiders and the Patriots over the course of the season and only played in one game. Can you name one of the reality TV shows Antonio appeared on prior to his self-implosion? Well, I'm a fantasy football player who has much experience in bad luck, unfortunately. And I do happen to know that Antonio Brown was on HBO's Hard Knocks. That is correct. That was sort of an unconventional choice, but it actually totally gets you the points. That was one of the choices. I was also going to go with Dancing with the Stars or the, in my opinion, superior reality show even to both of those the masked singer i did not know he was on either of those shows there we go you learned something the audience learned something and you came away with 50 additional points nicely done would you like to go on to the next one let's keep it going and in the bad luck category we have to end up at andrew luck your 2019 eighth round draft pick who conveniently retired about two hours after you selected him as your 2019 eighth round draft pick Looking back on his 2018 and final NFL season, can you name four players who are pass catchers of his passes? Well, we'd have T.Y. Hilton. One. Eric Ebron. Two. Jack Doyle. Three. And then, oh man, they had a lot of random rookie receivers. Does this include pass-catching running backs? It would, yes. Uh, Naeem Hines. There you go. Four for four correct guesses. You could have also said Marlon Mack as another running back. And then you're right. They had some young receivers, Dontrell Inman, Zach Pascal, Chester Rogers. Ah, uh, yes. The real fantasy studs of the 2018 season. <laughs> they were juggernauts. Um, and they just got you 100 more points. Looks like luck is on my side on this one. Yeah, no bad luck in this category. We're rolling right into the 250. Let's see if you can sweep it. Cam Newton, your 2019 seventh round draft pick, was placed on IR midseason with a foot injury. Now, Cam famously won a national championship at Auburn, but can you name the two other college teams that Cam played on previously to his stint at Auburn? (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to lie, I have no clue. So he was on Auburn. I'm just going to take a guess then on the other two. Uh, Clemson? Uh, that is another Tiger, but it is unfortunately not a right answer. Um, then let's go with... Uh, I mean, I'm not going to know, so I'm going to go with a, a very fine football school, uh, one that's very well respected, Southern Alabama. Ooh, good team. Good team. Who did you beat? South Alabama. South Alabama, good team, too. He instead went to the University of Florida and then transferred to Blinn College before eventually transferring to Auburn. 
Are you sure that you didn't just make up Blinn College? Blinn College. Now, they're no South Alabama, but they did briefly have Cam Newton on their squad. Do you know what the mascot is of Blinn College? I honestly do not. I don't know if they have a mascot. They might just be Blinn College, and that's what they're referred to as. Nice. Looking up really fast for everyone, so we all know, their mascot is Buck the Buccaneer. All right. All right. That leads us to our final category, Jerry Gergich. Well, hopefully I don't blow this like Jerry normally would. Whatever you do, do not be a Jerry Gergich in this category. For $50, who is the actor that portrayed Gary Gergich on Parks and Rec? Other acting credits of his include an adoption agency worker in an episode of Friends. Well, that would be the multi-talented Jim O'Hare. That's correct. Multi-talented, multi-faceted, multi-role, multi-points for you. You get 50 points for that one. Nicely done with Jim O'Hare. Let's see if you can get the 150 question in the category Jerry Gergich. What is the name of Larry's wife, portrayed by Christine Brinkley? Ooh, now this is getting into a difficult territory here. It's unfortunately been a while since I've really rewatched Parks and Rec. I'm just going to have to throw out a guess here and say Veronica. We were looking for Gail is his wife. Okay. Good old Larry and Gail. Oh, no. All right. Well, the last one relates to a specific episode of Jerry. We'll see if you can pull out this just ancient memory of yours. Let's do it. Jerry Gergich for 250 in arguably his starring role over the course of the entire series. In a certain season two episode, Terry injures himself and claims that he was mugged in the park. Do you recall what actually happened to him that caused his injury? I do have a vague recollection of this episode. It was quite funny. I don't remember the specific details, but I know it involved being at a park and falling over possibly near a uh, stream of some sort. Visually, you are spot on. Do you remember why he fell over? Did it? I'm going to say it involved food of some sort, perhaps a sandwich. Uh, More specifically, it was a burrito that he dropped. (laughs) I mean, arguably, a burrito is a sandwich, is it not? Hmm. You may have found yourself a new topic for the persuasion round. (laughs) you however were very descriptive in your visualization i can't give you the full 250 but scott i think you've earned yourself a uh compensatory 50 dollar points perfect that sets you up quite nicely out of round one uh we're gonna go on to round two after a brief word for these messages The following skit is for comedic purposes only and does not reflect a sponsorship of the discussed product. The views and opinions expressed by this podcast are not endorsed by the following company. This is not a paid advertisement. Folks, when you think of American business, what do you think of? Stop. That first thought you had, that's what I want you to hang on to. Because I know it's the bright red bottle with the script white letters of Coca-Cola. It's our country's beverage. And in general, we as a country have begun to reconsider what we put in our bodies. And so therefore, we're reconsidering what we put into our Coca-Colas. Coke has debuted a new product. It's brand new, and it's called Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. It has zero calories per can, and it has zero sugar per can. 
It has zero protein per can. It has zero carbs per can. It has zero total fat per can. In the movie Animal House, Ken Dorfman was described as a real zero. I too would describe Coca-Cola Zero Sugar as a real zero, but in my book, that makes it a real 100. Coke Zero Sugar. Please drink it. Okay, Scott, we're moving on to round two, and this is the persuasion round. I'm going to give you a prompt. Like I said earlier and teased at the beginning of the show, prepare for a sort of a tweak mid-round, mid but in any case, whatever prompt I give you, I want you to describe your position as clear and persuasively as possible. You know, Use evidence, use data to back it up wherever you can. Anecdotal experiences, however you'd wish, uh, they're all welcomed. Scott, for your topic, I'm going to pitch to you this prompt. Lately, we've seen a shift in consumer demand away from your traditional domestic beer makers and into craft beer markets. There is um, you know, an appetite for it in, in the last rough decade, we'll say. I want you to convince me why the craft beer trend we're seeing is not a fad, but is here to stay. Please begin. Well, Steve, I think that's a great question. Personally, I tend to agree with um, favoring craft beer over some of the domestic beers myself. You know, I think this trend of craft beer and its real dominance, you know, you see the surge of all these small to large breweries popping up all over the U.S., all over even the world to that extent, becoming massively successful. And I think a big reason for that is because people are tired of, you know, the bland, same old light beer that the domestic producers are making. They want something with a little more flavor to it. And I I think it's also kind of a generational divide. I I think millennials and i guess we'll see with this upcoming generation the zoomers as they're called what their preferences will be but i think a lot of it is millennials you know we want new experiences we want to be trying new things or have the illusion of trying something new some of these craft beers they might end up tasting similar to each other. But, you know, I think a lot of the the charm comes from the labeling on the beer. These craft brewers have gotten so creative, not just with the ingredients and flavors that they're incorporating into their beers, but also with the design of the packages, you know, you see differences in the types of cans and bottles. You definitely see a lot of variation in the names of the beers, the labels, what, what kind of pictures are on it. And I think a lot of what drives people to purchase those craft beers is exactly that. You know, they say, uh, don't judge a book by its cover, but I think people often judge a beer by its label, you know. We see the picture on it, we see the name, and uh, oftentimes we're more inclined to buy something that has kind of a humorous or unique name or unique label as opposed to the kind of 
blase, you know, Bud Light, Blue Can, that well, an American staple has grown a little stale for many people through this nation. Yeah, that's a great point. And I would even say that the market evidence backs up the that final point you made, the fact that the blue Bud Light can, rather than being sort of passe and, and just old hat, they've introduced spinoff products. Quite literally, you've got Bud Light Seltzer, you've got Bud Light Rattler, Bud Light Apple, different colors, different schemes, just to try and generate additional sales on their end. And, you know, I think a lot of it also just comes down to craft beers are almost some kind of a, a status symbol. You know, as we come out of college and we have more disposable income, a lot of times, you know, craft beers, that's something that can bring people together. Their love for a specific brewer or a specific beer you know, I think that's a, a beautiful thing to, to share a great craft beer with someone else that has a deep, profound appreciation for it. And that's something that you don't really see when it comes to the domestic beers. You know, we all enjoy them occasionally, but you can't bond over it in the same way. They become almost a lifestyle brand. You're not seeing, you know, an older uncle at a party who grabs a can of Miller Lite out of a cooler. It's just sort of a utility purpose. Just, you know, I'm just doing this to drink versus, I, yeah, you bring up a really interesting point that it's, it's, it's almost like a sports team for certain people that maybe aren't sports fans, or in fact, maybe they are, but it's just another avenue to bond with a, a group of people with shared interests, shared values, support kind of your team, your city, in this case, your beer, versus the, the, the wide range of other options that could be out there. And, and, you know, I think craft beer is, you know, the every man's avenue into a world of sophistication that was previously kind of constrained only to wine drinkers who, you know, can often be kind of a intimidating crowd with how they approach wine tasting but with craft beer it's a much more accepting community you know people are there just to enjoy it not to be snobs about it although let's be honest there's still people that are snobs about it but yeah human nature but it's more of a democratized pastime versus whereas wine tasting has these huge barriers to entry you have to be obviously pretty wealthy but then you have to run in similar social circles that are going to give you access to these you know more exclusive vintages uh allow you to talk about it with people who have exposure to it versus craft beer that you go to your corner liquor store and they're they have a bell's dis distribution they have a founder's distribution so your own neighborhood you can find the same sort of thing that an enthusiast in Grand Rapids has access to. I think that's a great point. And, you know, in closing, I think my, my last point would just be what craft beer offers that the domestics don't is accessibility. You know, sometimes it can be maybe difficult to find the craft beer you want at a specific store, but with their prevalence throughout the U.S., there's a very good chance that right in your backyard, 
you could have that brewery for you to go and try fresh beer on tap as opposed to, you know, a Coors or a Budweiser, where if you want that same experience, you'd have to travel outside your state. Only a handful of options. Yeah. I mean, Scott, you've listed off a, a fantastic barrel full, a keg full of, of good points here. And uh, I think with a, an other guest, a normal guest, I might end it there and say, well done. But you're a pretty skilled persuader. So I'm going to follow up with one more prompt to you, uh, an opportunity for you to accumulate a few more bonus points. And my prompt to you is we've seen a trend, uh, a surge in craft brew interest. Um, but I want you to convince me why it is a fad and why this is something that's actually not here to stay. And I shouldn't buy the hype of craft breweries. Well, you know, on the flip side of things, it, I would say it's all cyclical that these people that are going on and saying how great craft beer is and how much they prefer the taste of it to domestic beers that, that they're, you know, one day going to wake up and look in the mirror and uh, realize that they've been living a lie, that they really do prefer the taste of just kind of a you know steady taste of a light beer i think especially as people age um will turn more towards wanting something that's just consistent non-threatening that we know what we're going to get out of it instead of trying to figure out oh what what does this beer mean What's a double back? What are all these phrases even mean? You know, you buy this six pack and it's $15 and you take one sip of the first beer and you realize, wow, this orange creamsicle beer. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking when they labeled this, but it, it tastes like cardboard. I, I should have just bought a 24 case of uh, good old Coors support, you know, local business and it cost me the same exact amount of money that's a fantastic point because as you're getting older your metabolism slowing down those complex carbs that you once burned through a you know a, a dark stout beer are now sitting firmly actually the opposite of firmly loosely along both of your hips and just those handles are quite lovely to some but maybe not to others and if you can find that light beer you're going to trim down some of that potential residue and, and with that conversation on age brings up the different generations, like you pointed out, you know, sure, millennials are in that beer drinking demographic now, but even some of the ex-ennials, the, the mid, mid-between Gen X and millennials, they're getting kind of to an age where maybe they prefer just like you, exactly what you described. And then on the flip side, maybe the Zoomers are interested more in seltzers, or maybe they're even not interested in alcohol at this point. Yeah, they're too busy popping zannies popcorn lungin with their vape pens all right scott thank you i think we're gonna we can close the book on that that was uh it was extremely persuasive on both sides so i, I hope that the audience is sufficiently confused and uh does not walk away with a conclusive answer but instead a very inconclusive confusion i hope so too you know i'm here just to provide insights on both sides of the argument not to sway people one way or the other that's their choice based off the facts presented how they want to interpret those facts 
That right there summarizes, crystallizes what we're getting at in round two. So Scott, when it comes to awarding you points, I want to say that you have had such a thorough and complete answer that you have earned 1,000 smag coins from your answer. How many Stanley nickels do those equal? <laughs> the conversion is being worked out by Creed right now. I'll let you know once Creed Bratton solves that. It's part of his quality assurance job. Perfect. And with that, let's hear a brief message one more time and move on to round three. The following skit is for comedic purposes only and does not reflect a sponsorship of the discussed product. The views and opinions expressed by this podcast are not endorsed by the following company. This is not a paid advertisement. Coke Zero, when you want that crisp, refreshing, zero-calorie taste of Coca-Cola, but are too embarrassed of the stigma of mom's drinking diet Coke to choose that. Instead, choose Coke Zero Sugar. All right, welcome back, everyone. We're in the home stretch here. We've got round three, the lightning round to go. Scott, do you have a, enough left in the tank to finish round three? You know, it, it's been a long day. Had some tough questions to start off the first round, but I think I've gotten my energy back after round two, and I think I'm ready to knock this one out of the park. Love the confidence. If you do feel like you need a, you know, some kind of refreshment just to get across that finish line, may I recommend Coke Zero Sugar? Just, Just kind of something I thought of. Oh, great idea. For the lightning round, round three, I'm going to give you a prompt, and then I'm going to set the clock for 45 seconds. As soon as I finish speaking, I'm going to give you a, a brief countdown, and then rattle off as many answers as you can for my question. Here we go, Scott. So from the year 1980 to the year 2010, so in that 30-year span, name for me as many Best Picture Oscar winners as you can. That's years 1980 to 2010. Ready? Hold on. Point of clarification. Yes. Are we referring to the year the movie came out or the year it was awarded the Oscar, which would be the following year? The year it came out. It's cinematic release year. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. And not only that, I'm going to start backwards from 2010. Begin in three, two. One, go. King's Speech, Hurt Locker, uh, mil- Million Dollar Baby, Slumdog Millionaire, uh, No Country for Old Men, there w- uh, The Departed, Crash, uh, Chicago, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, Gladiator, A Beautiful Mind, uh, American Beauty, Shakespeare and Love, The English Patient, uh, Braveheart, Forrest Gump, Unforgiven, uh, um, let's see, Gandhi, Chariots of Fire, uh, Dances with Wolves, Silence of the Lambs, Driving Miss Daisy. We will allow t- Driving Miss Daisy. You got it in right under the clock. Okay. You came away with 22 correct answers. By our tentative calculations, Scott, you have a final score with the 220 additional points you earned the lightning round of 1870. Oh, wow. Wildly impressive. Uh, you, I think you almost got every year for year. I, was, I noticed you jumped a few different years, but um, for the 2000s and the 90s, I think you have a, a pretty thorough list. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think given another 15 seconds, I, I probably would have come pretty close to rounding out the pack, but I'm happy with my performance. It was a strong performance, just a couple that uh, you didn't have time to get to. Platoon, Ordinary People, The Last Emperor. None of those are that significant enough to uh, have, have made your list before any of your previous ones, but just so the audience knew. The, the great uh, three-hour snooze fest out of Africa. Oh, yeah, yeah. The people love that one, that's for sure. Oh, no. Well, Scott, thanks for playing. You did fantastic. And let's kick it up on the leaderboard and see where you end up. In first, Scott, 1870. Second, Alex, 1831. Third, Andy, 1671. S-M-A-G-S. My name is Scott, and I got smagged.